Welcome to Indiana basketball. All the way outside the Watford, three on the way. Oh! And one out! The Ferenczi for three! So yeah, Mr. Alex Golden doesn't need much of an introduction. You know him from Setting the Pace podcast and some work with 8.9 seconds. And I uh, thought it'd be fun to do some reaction here. Of course, there could be some trades that that flow in that were uh, submitted before 3, 3 p.m., but um, probably not at this point. Usually when you get to 3.30 or 3.40, uh, we're probably pretty safe in that regard. But um, I know you've already shared a lot uh, on the podcast about reaction from previous deals of course uh you know the Pacers made some more deals or another deal today with the Tory Craig action going on but um as a whole I mean one of my reactions is finally right like finally the Pacers yeah. are part of the trade deadline madness how long has it been uh and, and oh, also they're finally finally part of an actual rebuild which fans have been clamoring for for years and rightfully so so like what's your reaction really from all of it from the direction that the Pacers are taking well that's that's it right there we finally have some direction um it felt like this team was you know a ship without a sail for the last couple of years and trying to change the captain wasn't going to really do too much in terms of where the ship was going right you know three different coaches in three different years it's like the same team continues to be floated out there on the court and I think one the the, the players themselves were kind of burnt out with the roster in my opinion um, the, the, the monotony of losing all the time, you know, not getting along with each other because, you know, over time you just get frustrated with it, right? So, you know, for me personally, I think this is a great direction the Pacers are heading in. Obviously, everybody knows I love DeMontis Sabonis. He's my favorite Pacer. I know your grandmother is a huge Sabonis <laughs> fan. I was laughing at that that picture you put up there. She's like, no, not Sabonis. So, Yeah, talking Pacers here, I, um, I'm still – just extremely excited about the direction as we were talking about, uh, you know, so excited when I first saw the trade drop that, you know, the immediate reaction is you don't even think about, uh, at least no, I, don't, I didn't think about um, the guys that were, were going because they've, they've been around a long time, especially Sabonis. And you're just thinking about that connection that you have to those players for so many years and covering them and watching the games. But that's how excited I was um, to see that, that name pop up. Uh, Halliburton mm-hmm. is just, uh, his his potential is amazing. And here's a point that I want to make that I think a lot of fans already know, but unfortunately, the Pacers can really only lock guys up um, if they're in their rookie contracts. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, this is not the days of Reggie. And and so even Paul George and Sabonis and Oladipo and like some of those guys, if you're thinking about a long-term commitment, Halliburton is signed for three more years, but then he's a restricted free agent. The Pacers can match offers and keep them. And so um, Sabonis, whether he was happy here or not, he only had a couple years left on the deal. He may have to overpay. You're not sure if he wants to leave. So even if he ends up being a better player than Halliburton, you get a guard and a guard, you know, driven league and you have the chance to just keep him, you know, for years and years and years. And that's a, uh, that's incredible. Um, so at 21 years old, three years plus whatever the next deal, you know, whatever comes up at that point. So, 
um, that is incredibly exciting when you're talking about a rebuild. And uh, and I saw your your tweets as well about a lot of people just doubting uh, that Kevin Pritchard could do this, but he's been a, a mastermind of some trades in the past, and, and he nailed the last draft. So you got to give the guy props. Right, and I'm, one of my big things was, and I know people were like, "No, I don't trust him," but. One of my big things was, is he knows this roster better than anybody else right now. So, you know, you don't want to bring somebody new in to try and make all these changes, even if they have a different opinion of these players, right? You know, there could have been a guy that came in here and just thought, okay, I don't think Sabonis is that good, so we'll we'll trade him for less than what we got in, in this return. So there's always, like, pros and cons to it. Like, I get it. The draft, the draft stuff is very frustrating but this with Carlisle on board I'm thinking so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt you know he got an extension there were some question marks whether he'd be fired or not but you know he has flipped this roster to a certain point I don't think he's totally flipped it yet I think there's still moves to be made in the offseason especially with all this cap flexibility that we have now about 30 million dollars I think it was that I saw that we'd had in cap space so that definitely is something, hey, you know, the Pacers got off all these older players and got off all these, you know, contracts that are going into the next season, got some cap space, and, and they just have so much more flexibility to, to continue to improve this roster. So that's what I think's the most enticing. And, you know, whether you, whether you want to turn or Sabonis gone or, or whoever gone, it doesn't really matter because um, we have a good roster now that we can move forward with and continue to grow this team. Yeah, and the good news the whole time with Turner and Sabonis is they're both 25. So it's like if you do decide to keep one of the two, you know, they, they can fit long term. And, um, you, you know, you talk about the assets acquired because um, I think a lot of people were underwhelmed with the Karis LeVert return. But it's like you're freeing up that money. You get a late first round pick, which could be flipped or used on a, a good player that you like late in that round. Um yeah, the, I don't remember the last time the Pacers had a lot of financial flexibility in an offseason as well. So there's a lot of like kind of, uh, I guess, new newness to all of this, making deals, bringing a young player in, um, having money, having draft picks, you know, more than likely having a top 10 draft pick, maybe even top five, top six. Mm -hmm. So it, it's refreshing. That's the word I keep coming back to. It's refreshing for fans and media alike to uh, just finally see it happen and uh, the moves they've made is really a good jump start. This past draft and the the talent they've acquired, even out of the draft, is already a good uh, a starting point for rebuild. But then when you add in potential franchise piece with all those other things uh, to it, um, it's exciting. And and it's not been exciting for quite a while. So you take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the last time they had this flexibility was when they acquired T.J. Warren and Malcolm Brogdon. And, you know, look what they did that first year under McMillan when everybody was mostly healthy that season. Um, you know, it was a pretty successful year. They brought in Jeremy Lamb as well. And obviously, you know, it didn't turn out exactly how fans wanted it. But think about the excitement that we had when we looked at the at the Woj bombs. And, you know, here comes T.J. Warren for cash considerations plus a pick. Here comes Malcolm Brogdon for a first-round pick. That, you know, was in the, I think, 24th overall, something like that. And it was RJ Hampton who got flipped later to um, Denver, then got flipped to Orlando. So, I mean, that that pick moved a couple different times. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think the Pacers, there's not a ton of players out there, I think, on the free agent market for this upcoming season. 
the only name that I think that's like there's a couple names that I think that are really in, intriguing on that on that list. Uh, Miles Bridges and Charlotte, and I'm not sure the Pacers could even be able to take him away from them, but I'm, you know, it fits the timeline of what they're trying to do. And then Lou Dort as well from from the Thunder, he's a free agent, mm-hmm. and um, I wonder how much Lou Dort really wants to be in OKC because who wants to continue to go through that mess of a uh, oh we're rebuilding, we're tanking, we're we're doing whatever when you come here, still be part of a young core, but hopefully a young core that's trying to win. I think Lou Dort is a name that I'm just going to keep my eyes glued to for this offseason. Um, just I really like what he can do defensively, and this Pacer team needs a player that can play defense at a high level, especially at that position. Um, so, you know, obviously you talked about the Levert return. That's a great point. I know a lot of fans were like, why did we give up a second-round pick for this? Why didn't we get more back? Look, you basically got two first-round picks for Karis Levert. That Rockets second-round pick is so valuable. Those early second-round picks are incredibly valuable because of the contracts are different on those um, and the structure of them. So I think the Pacers could easily get back into the first round with some cash and move that second-round pick. And then you're looking at you have two first-round picks you can dangle and trade now for something. So the the, the Pacers have just made out like bandits <laughs> this past week. I mean – Patience is key with all this stuff. We've all been wanting to make moves for the past, what, two, three months this this season at least, but, you know, probably the last couple of years. And so, you know, you, uh, you, you, hold, you hold out, and this is what you get in return. I think fans are just excited now, Tyler, and they have something to cheer about. And I think it starts all at the top with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun Friday night seeing the new guys play and and seeing Karis LeVert come back uh, to uh, almost at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, I've done that so many times. It's been funny. (laughs) Yeah. And the names you mentioned in free agency, those are definitely worth watching. And then uh, there could be several situations um, of guys that become available that we have no idea about, just like the TJ Warren of a couple years ago. Uh, But having that flexibility, um, I think think the Pacers are just getting started. They're going to make several moves in the summer including uh, the, the excitement of NBA draft, uh, having several picks. And uh, it's going to be fun. You know, if, if it is a couple-year rebuild instead of immediate, it's still a direction. It's still more exciting. And there's a chance if they make the right moves and have a good summer that they can make noise as soon as next year. So that's exciting in itself uh, to look forward to. Um, I know you got to run here in a minute, but uh, yeah. quick thoughts on uh, other moves around the league. Were you surprised? Of course, the Ben Simmons and, and Harden. We got Paul <laughs> to the Pelicans, Thad Young to the Raptors. Um, a flurry of moves there. Yeah, I I like Thad Young on the Raptors. He seems to be kind of mold of a player. Can play some small ball five. I'm really intrigued by that. Um, I'm happy for Thad to get into an opportunity where he can play now because we saw how, how – you know, how much of a leader he was here, how fun he was. I mentioned it earlier, the Mavericks trade of the Wizards. Dinwiddie, what a terrible trade by Dallas. A lot better recently. Their defense had been a lot better. Now they go out and get two guys that don't even know what the word defense is. So let me ask you this. Um, I know I've been answering a lot of questions. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, what do you think the Pacers do with Tristan Thompson in that contract? Obviously, you know, Rubio's not going to play for the rest of the year, but Tristan Thompson, another guy that, you know, he was at practice today. There's talks they could buy him out i'm not sure what they do but what do you think they do i thought they would definitely buy him out um but maybe there's a plan there even if it's just to be a mentor to 
you know, there's so many injuries with their bigs. And then of course the bonus gone that maybe they want him for a little while. Um, so at first I was going to say he's definitely not going to play, but I think it's kind of leaning towards him suiting up. So maybe he'll have a longer career than Andrew Bynum. I don't know the two games that Bynum played. Thanks so much for, for letting me come on and, and chat with you, man. And we'll have to, uh, have you on the podcast soon and uh, just get your thoughts on everything. Sounds great. Thanks, Alex. And now we're going to bring Steve Isaacs on. You there, Steve? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Absolutely. I had, uh, we had Alex on and we're talking a little bit of pace or reaction. Um, how about you as far as the first, well, I would say not just today, I would say like the entire trade season for the Pacers. What do you, what's your reaction? I saw your some of your posts, but uh, let the fans know your reaction on on all the deals and the direction the Pacers are taking. Honestly, done in any better job. I mean, I think they've played this as bad as they possibly could. I love the young players that they got back. And honestly, like, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be, if I can be bold enough to say that they are going to play better than they would have played with the guys they had, but it's definitely going to be an exciting team to watch and, you know, see what they do here the rest of the year. Yeah. I'm curious. Are you as high on Halliburton as I am? Because for me, I'm thinking this guy, I mean, I, I, I had no idea he would possibly even be available. Um, I, I, we had heard of, of Fox and maybe picks. We had heard Sabonis name, but the whole time you're kind of thinking they're not really going to trade Sabonis. They're probably going to hold on to him. And, you know, because they were offering, they were, you know, rightfully so, they were asking for a lot in return, but it just didn't seem like anything was going to come to fruition. When I saw that name on that Woj tweet, my mouth dropped. And I'm just thinking, this guy has a chance. You know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he's got a chance to be the level, like a franchise caliber player and a franchise guard, um, that it, it's obviously been a while since the Pacers have had that. So are you as high on Tyrese as I am? shock uh you know when we talked about trade with the kings i don't know if i ever said this but uh when we were talking about the guy i was really wanting was halliburton they're thinking they've got these three guards that balls in their hand but i think they the wrong guy man am i happy that the pacers got him very well yet you know the question is always can he be the number one guy on a championship team i don't know i think there's a a good chance of that. Maybe he's your number two guy. Maybe you get a lottery pick. That's really good. Maybe he becomes your number one. But uh, either way, it's going to be a really special play. Yeah, I agree. I had some of those thoughts as well in terms of being one or two option, you know, and the assets that the Pacers are um, putting together. You know, they don't have to have all that figured out right away, but you at least have that opportunity. You know, Sabonis is a fantastic player, but if he's ever your your top. Um, it's tough in today's NBA, um, unless you're a Jokic or uh, Embiid. Um, but even those guys got to have guards surrounding them. Um, so to uh, to build a team that more defensive oriented, uh, more sh you know shot making, um, Halliburton can do it all. He can defend. He's an incredible passer. Um, maybe some of you saw Pat Boylan's tweet today that whenever, like I think it was 12 games when uh, Fox was out. Halliburton was the the sole point guard, and he averaged like 19.2 points and 10 assists a game, or something like that, in those 12 games. So, and I mentioned to Alex the fact that the Pacers can basically have control of Halliburton for years and years and years, um, which is just massive because um, it's 
sometimes the only way that uh, the Pacers can keep a guy long-term is if they get him in that rookie contract and um, can then, uh, you know, lock them up in, as they're restricted free agents. So just a huge addition. I haven't even talked about Buddy Heald, and, and it looks like he's sticking around. Could still be dealt in the summer, but um, my biggest thing with Buddy Heald is would he accept a bench role? Would he accept coming off the bench? Maybe not this year. He'll probably start this year, at least most of it. Um, but next season, if the Pacers make a obviously a, a top pick and then they're going to be active in free agency with that money, that cap space, would Buddy Heald, even though he gets paid like a starter, would he accept being a sixth man, um, spreading the floor? He's always been a fantastic shooter. He's shooting 37% from three this year, and it's a down year for him. So that's another uh, interesting piece. Uh, Heald, Brogdon, Turner, all, all those guys could be trade chips in the summer. Um, or they could be pieces that fit or maybe two of the three or something like that. But at least you have assets, you have a direction. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I agree with you. I don't think Pritchard could have done better. Talked about how much the Pacers needed some outing, you know, Buddy Heald, that's what he's known for. Um, you know, so hopefully he's a guy, you know, maybe they can't even keep around long-term. You know, the question I've been asking myself, we've been talking about the Pacers tanking, but, you know, I, no matter what happens, I'm happy with who we got. I'd obviously like to have that high lottery pick, but do you think this Pacers team will win quite a bit of games here the rest of the year? I think there's a chance, and that, that could be the one downside. Um, you know, if they slip to more like 10, 11, 12, that wouldn't be near as exciting, and they really do need – I'll say I'll say top eight. They really need a top eight pick. Um, one good thing, though, is maybe the Kings win a lot of games. Maybe Sabonis, he played really well in the first game. He'll, he's going to play well. Um, maybe the Kings uh, outplay the Pacers the rest of the way, and, and that helps in the, in the Pacers draft odds. But uh, hopefully they're exciting. We see some direction, but they maybe continue losing some close games and uh, and get that high pick. But um, I know I, I've not been as excited as I am uh, in a while uh, to go to Friday's game, um, cover the new guys and see what they got. So should be interesting. It'll be also the cool thing is it's going to be a very interesting summer as well. So Pacers are highly unlikely to make any kind of run of, of the play-in game, even if they were to you know have a good stretch. But um, they have direction. They're finally rebuilding. And then the summer could be a flurry of moves. And if, if it's a good summer, uh, they could be in the conversation in the East quickly. Um, but even if not, you got to like the direction that they're taking. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I know I had said I kind of was hoping the Pacers would trade Sabonis and Turner if they could get assets. You know, at this point in the game, I honestly hope they keep Turner unless they get just a really good deal to be, you know, I, I heard Turner talking about how he'd like to have more of a role on this team, and he's not just a three-point shooter. You know, I'd like to see what he does here the rest of the year and, uh, you know, just being the man there in the middle. Yeah, and I'm very intrigued to see. So they're saying after the All-Star break, so we don't know for sure when he gets back, but um, I'm, in, I'm very intrigued about the idea of having Turner and Jackson both on the roster. You know, you could you could really have some fun playing them together. They fit together better, I think, um, just because of Jackson's athleticism. 
but they can both block shots. They can complement each other. Jackson's only just turned 20, so he's not going to demand some kind of <laughs> playing time or starting role. So there's things they can do, uh, you know, with that combination. And, uh, man, if they can really build a team that protects the rim, it's better at guarding wings, like it's how it's looking, and then more shooting. And then who knows if they get that star in the draft or they get a, a good number two in the draft. And, uh, and almost $30 million as of right now to spin, which could grow. So lots of like uh, for the Pacers. You got any other thoughts on the, the Pacers or trade deadline before we uh, transition to some IU basketball talk? Yes, when I think about all these young, very young, 21, 20-year-old players, Duarte is a little older. But, you know, you just mentioned Jackson, uh, Jalen Smith, who they got a trade from Phoenix. I mean, if, you know, two, three, four of those guys really fulfill their potential, I mean, this Pacer team could be really, really good. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that you don't know what their ceiling is. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm excited to see, you know, what Jalen Smith does too, you know, if, if he works out as a really good player. Absolutely. It is finally, once again, a good time for Pacer fans and Pacer media to uh, follow the team. And we look forward to Friday. And Friday's going to be really interesting because not only the new guys playing, but Karis LeVert back with Cleveland um, playing. So lots to talk about on that night and, uh, and and more to talk about as we finish the season and then head into the summer. Um, also in the news this week, especially as we transition to talk about IU basketball a little bit, the big news, the five players being suspended, they've been reinstated. So it was a one-game su suspension from Coach Mike Woodson. He didn't elaborate on the situation, but he said it, it was about uh, missing curfew. So there's still some rumors online about what they did in that, you know, missing that curfew, but that's all we know. They missed curfew uh, at a terrible time, a game the Hoosiers really needed to get. So they lose at Northwestern in a close game. Um, had some good things happen in that game. It couldn't get it done without those five guys. Now they're back, but there's a really tough couple game stretch here. What, what's your immediate reaction? Because I know, like, for some people, it's very easy to be like, yes, Woodson, lay down the law. Um, for other people, it's kind of like, well, we don't know for sure what happened. You know, is the, is the coaching staff um, doing the right thing here? I think the majority, the vast majority of IU fans are uh, upset with the players, and they're applauding the coaches for the decision that they made. And uh, it's just, just a terrible timing, um, but also could be a good thing for the future for, for Woodson to lay the law for that. Yeah, I, I really like what Woodson did. You know, obviously we don't know for sure exactly what happened, but, you know, I like that he took a strong stance on it. You know, there's been some shenanigans in the past, so I think it's, you know, really good to draw a line in the sand of what type of behavior, you know, they're going to accept in Bloomington. Um, you know, I, my first impression was to be pretty irritated with the guys, um, you know, it's irresponsible to put the team in that situation, especially when, you know, they need every win they can get. They're playing a Northwestern team that they should beat, you know, and then you have something like this. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that could keep you from making the tournament. So, um, you know, I, I know they're young men. Young men don't, don't always make the best decisions, but uh, hopefully they learn from this and, you know, guys will stay in line when they think about doing something in the future. But, you know, the fact that they, 
you know, actually hung in that game with, you know, basically six of their rotation guys is, is pretty impressive. And, you know, hopefully that'll help some of those guys like, you know, particularly like Aleel the rest of the season and, uh, you know, maybe help some of those guys' roles. Yeah, and I hope if there was one positive from that game that hopefully Trey Galloway now is inserted in the starting lineup, uh, whether it's for Miller Cop or Parker Stewart. Um, we're not sure that's going to happen or not, but he, he certainly deserved it. Um, his couple of uh, flagrant fouls, uh, <laughs> you know, not notwithstanding there, but uh, he played really well. You would like to get more from uh, Jackson Davis in that game. He's only four of 13, and he could have uh, done more to kind of will their team to win. But I will say this, as much as everyone is doom and gloom, like they have a, a reason, they have a case for it, but just two games ago, Indiana had a chance to beat an Illinois team and, and be ranked probably even in the top 20 or 21 had they won that game. Things were looking great. They were looking like a five or six seed in the tournament. A lot can change in two games, but now everyone thinks the sky is falling, partially because of the schedule that is coming up. Um, but I still, you can, you can disagree if you like, I still think this team is going to beat Wisconsin at home next week. Um, this is just kind of how they, they roll. They just, when you count them out, they, they get your hopes up again. But I feel like they're going to lose these two tough road games, even if they're in the game. I think they're going to beat Wisconsin and once again uh, look like they're safe in the tourney. And then the rest of the season um, will be tough games as always. But you got Minnesota, Rutgers, who's been beating everybody. Um, I'm trying to think of the other one they have, and then obviously at Purdue. But, uh, you know, I feel like even if they go something like three and four or something like that, but get one more signature win, I still think this team is going to make the tournament. And it's not all doom and gloom, but it's not near as rosy as what it was just two games ago. Well, first off, let me say Trey Galloway should absolutely be in the starting lineup. I totally agree with you. I think he, you know, really proved it in that game, but he's really been playing well coming into that game um you know some of these guys that aren't performing as well i mean they shouldn't be rewarded he should be rewarded and i hope that he is um you know as far as this hoosiers team and their trajectory you know i still think they're a tournament team i still think that they could get up into the top 25 here in the next few weeks and you know i think that's a great point that they could very well uh, win that game with Wisconsin. Um, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button by any means, but here's my bigger concern. Um, you know, Indiana's offense, I still don't think it's hitting on all, all cylinders like it should be. They're putting such an emphasis on trying to get the ball inside to Trace Jackson Davis that at times I think it stifles the, the overall offense. You know, I don't want to overreact to that Purdue game, but that was a game that TDJ, you know, and, you know, the offense really seemed to flourish in that game. Sometimes I wonder, you know, if you got him off of the block a little bit, you know, maybe played him in the wing a little bit more or just did something to where it's not like we just have to get the ball in the post if maybe this offense would open up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I guess the bright side of that is if this team does make the tournament, 
Um, it'll all be matchup related at that point. Um, so if they're if they're not playing a team that has a couple monsters down low, um, you know, you know, Jackson Davis just becomes a monster himself um, if he's playing undersized guys or guys that are a little slower and, and can't move them off the block. And it's not just posting up. Like I still think the offense could improve as you're talking about, but just like you know the putbacks and the, the quick post moves, things that are much more available when you're not playing a Purdue or Illinois monster um, down low. But you know it'll be uh, it'll all be matchup oriented as it always is. I still think it's a team that could make a little noise in March, or they could uh, really struggle the rest of the season and, and be back on the bubble. Um, or be uh, for sure, you know, first round exit. But there's so many teams that fit in that category. Um, but I just, I just know this team is even at times this year, this very season has been counted out, and they'll come back and win. Um, same old, same old, and then all of a sudden they'll win a couple and, and look pretty good. So there's a lot of basketball to be played. Should they lose at Michigan State, uh, it's still, still plenty of time, and still not time to panic. Um, but it's just kind of the nature of, of how the fan base and, and what they've seen over the last several years. But I do think it's a new new team as far as uh, ability on the court. Um, hopefully the off-the-court stuff, this was a wake-up call and, and they get going because um, from that side of it, you know, the culture that, that Woodson is building, um, you know, I think that was a good thing to send a message. But any other thoughts on, on the Hoosiers before we wrap up? I you know, just one more guy I'd like to give a shout-out to is Race Thompson. thought he played incredible in that game against Northwestern, and he is just really coming on. You know, honestly, might be one of the two or three most important players on this Hoosiers team. So, um, you know, really like what we're seeing out of him. And, uh, you know, just keep building toward March. That's right. And we'll have a lot to talk about here in the coming weeks. Uh, as always, so we're doing this kind of live, but uh, we're uh, doing regular podcasts and some live here in the future as we uh, close in on the Big Ten tournament in March Madness, which we surely hope the Hoosiers are part of. But, uh, Steve, thanks for uh, joining once again, and have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. You too, buddy.